Good morning and welcome to Tuesday morning, September the 26th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, proper week 21, which is the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Tuesday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the Psalm passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary and this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves in a familiar spot, Psalm 78. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 and then jump ahead to verses 12 through 16. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4, and the verses 12 through 6. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. This is the word of God for us. So I'm going to go a different direction today. Uh, This is a great psalm. It's one that tells the story of Israel. It's a psalm of Asaph, which is a shorter collection of psalms in the Psalter. You got the psalms of David, the sons of Korah. Um, You've got Asaph and you got a few others, odds and ends that make up the 150. But uh, this is one that we've seen before. We've uh, dwelled on some other psalms um, in the previous weeks, like in Psalm 105, which talked about the different uh, episodes of the story of Israel, particularly the oldest stories in ancient Israel uh, from Genesis and Exodus and so on and so forth. But uh, what I enjoyed about this reading for the reading uh, this time around is verse 12. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors in the land of Egypt in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through made the water stand up like a wall. Uh, I'd like this term of miracles. I think it's one that uh, we got to take a look at again. I think often we think of miracles in the uh, C.S. Lewis sense. I mean, C.S. Lewis, he's just an OG, right? Like he's a great guy. Obviously, we we have gained so much, yielded so much from C.S. Lewis's um, discourse on Christianity, of faith, of uh, what it means to be a Christian in a very complex modern world like ours. And he wrote a book on miracles, and his basic premise was one that came from more or less the Enlightenment, uh, from a philosophical construct of modernity, which says like, you know, all there's like this laws that govern uh, the earth and all of the life where matter exists. And uh, there are things that happen outside of those laws, uh, which classify as miracles. And so there's a split world between the natural and the supernatural. And I think we'll often hear this language in the life of faith. Um, but what some critics of C.S. Lewis's discourse have, I think, rightly suggested is that supernatural connotes that uh, God is like absent, an absent landlord that's maybe above or outside of our time-space continuum and 
therefore like a miracle it, it can take place if this god reaches in and supersedes the laws of nature uh, this has its root system in deism or deism which suggests that there there is a creator god and there's a god who still watches over the world but it's at a reserved kind of remote uh, location so this is where the god of the watch uh, the wristwatch comes into place uh, pocket watch i guess to be more accurate where god uh, created the universe wound it up like a watch and is watching it unwind itself or another metaphor is billiards right like so you've got like a, a pool table with you know pool balls on it and there's like this outside agent that will make the balls collide and move them and that's more or less how some people's like native picture of god god is removed from here because this world is messed up it's chaotic it's got a bunch of you know nasty people and so this holy god um, can't be around all of this madness and all of this sin and darkness and so this god has to dwell in um, we can say this in confessional terms unapproachable light which is outside of who we are we get a different picture uh, when we look at the, the book of acts i mean the book of acts chapter one uh, we find jesus meeting with his disciples uh, he's removed from them but as we continue to read the pages of acts like he's not really gone right he he shows up, um, shows up in and through the work of the church. Uh, he meets with Saul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Uh, when Stephen is on trial, sure, he sees heaven open, and it seems like it's so far away, but to Stephen, like the presence of Jesus is you know, quite near to him. And so um, I think more than anything else, what we see is that when the book of Acts mentions miracles, it, I mean, nearly every chapter has these different signs and wonders. It's almost like these things are a common occurrence. And I think the uh, you know average modern Bible reader can make up their own minds whether you know miracles were for a certain time and not for today, or maybe they were more plentiful back then, but they still happen today, but maybe not as often as the others. If people cling to the promises of Jesus, like in John 14, 12, where Jesus promised his disciples that we would do the things that he did and even greater things than these, because he's going to the Father, right? And that greater may not be like in their marvelousness, but in their uh, repetition, because there's now many of us among the body of Christ instead of just one Jesus Christ who ministered among the people of God. But the language that the New Testament uses is not supranatural, which once again connotes this, you know, two floor system God's upstairs, we're below. And every now and again, you know, something comes through the air vents and uh, we have this close encounter with the divine, but it's so few and far between. And so we got to figure things out on our own. Actually, what the book of Acts suggests is that uh, these signs and wonders are not supernatural, but they're extraordinary. So that might seem like, you know, semantics to some, but I think uh, to the philosopher, um, there is this idea of, uh, you know, there's an ordinary passing of life and then these extraordinary things happen where these uncanny occurrences happen and they happen among the common you know, phases of life and common places among common people. But the extraordinary things happen where like a person will say like just the right words uh, and something comes to pass. Or I just had a friend um, confess and, and testify last week. He um, had a, a doctor's test and an exam and, and there's going to be a report last week and so he was nervous about it obviously he goes to meet with the doctor and the doctor uh, tells him that uh, the tests were better than expected and 
we could classify this as a miracle, right? And it's because numbers should have gone the other direction, but then they went this way. And so I think one of the things else we need to make a fuss over, like how can these things, what, what sort of justification can we say? Because the modern world has told us that uh, we shouldn't really, you know, embrace anything that can't be duplicated in a laboratory, right? But don't all of us have these moments where something extraordinary happens and we cannot evaluate it on scratch paper with a lab coat on? We can't, like we just, but we know that it's real. And so I think what um, other scholars have suggested and um, at the time of this recording, I'm still uh, reflecting on uh, a good friend and professor that I had, uh, Dr. Hank Letterly, who went to be with the Lord last week. And uh, he talked about this. He was um, he was a professor of pneumatology, studying the work of the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's not that, um, you know, Jesus walking on water is a miracle in that uh, it defies the the laws of nature, but perhaps there's this other property of water that on occasion it can actually solidify at the command of God. Like it's already like embedded within it. We see more often than not, you know, that uh, water is something that if we jump in, you know, jump onto the surface of it, we just fall in. Uh, but maybe in God's great design, uh, this interesting creator that he is, there's like this other property. And at times it could go in the opposite direction. It's not that there's something breaking in. It's just those properties are animated in given moments, right? And so this all goes back to who the creator and who our father is. And I think that's what this psalm ultimately celebrates. Is that this psalmist is talking about, you know, teachings and parables. And uh, I'm not going to hide these things from you. We're going to pass them down from generation after generation. And one of the things that we get to do in the life of the church is we get to say, you know, we can't make God turn up. We can't make miracles happen. That's it's God's business. That's way above our pay grade. But in the de- in the definition of them, maybe the hill that we die on is this. We must say that God is not far off and he has to reach way low in order to interact with our world. But something happened in the incarnation of Jesus. We now have a confession that there's a God among us. And one of the ways in which we experience the presence of God among us are these extraordinary signs that we see from time to time, maybe a handful of times in the life of faith. But nevertheless, they point beyond ourselves. They point beyond even the gift that they bring. But they point to this interesting, clever creator God who created such a neat world where at times... The properties of this world go in the very opposite direction of what we expect them to do. Uh, cancer goes away. Um, water can uh, turn to a place where we can walk. Uh, a few uh, pieces of food can be multiplied to, to feed uh, multitudes of people. And we we like scratch our eyes, don't we? We say, wow, how did that happen? How did that take place? And our words fall few. And we're led to doxology of praising this God who takes care of all of our needs so wondrously. So I've gone way over my time here, but I think it's worth us taking a stab at what we should expect when we see uh, something extraordinary happen in our midst. Something that the psalmist said happened again and again for God's people when they were enslaved in Egypt and God led them with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that everywhere we look, that we can see your presence among us. We can look into nature, the book of nature, 
as we see in Psalm 19, and uh, nature pour, pours forth its speech. Creation draws us uh, to wonder about who you might be. And we also think that we can find you in scripture texts, these ancient uh, texts that uh, went unearthed and, and given a chance to speak can be life-giving to us. We also thank you that we see you in community, that we sent you in words of prayer and words of worship. We sent you in bread and cup at communion. Uh, we see you also in the very commonness of our of our everyday life, our work deeds, our conversations, and the stillness of thought and meditation. We thank you that everywhere we look, you're there. And we do thank you for these over-the-top experiences with you uh, where we are so blown away when uh, something that we feel like is going one direction um, can be reversed because of the resurrection. And so we thank you that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in our lives, is at work in the world around us. And so we pray, God of resurrection, would you allow your resurrection power to um, allow us to see wonderful and, and good things so that we can continue to praise you and continue to point towards, uh, point, uh, help point uh, the rest of this world to the reality and the idea that you're alive, that you're a good God, that you're loving and forgiving, that you desire to be everyone's Lord. And so this day, God, we pray for the common things. We pray for the extraordinary things. And we pray that we find you in the midst of all of them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.